Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. I'm your host, Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports. And joining me today is Caroline Slaughter, director, writer, and voiceover. You are awesome. You're multi-talented. Can you give a quick background on who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I do a lot. Um, I sort of think in this day and age, you have to do a lot to, um, one, to feed, to feed yourself and one to feed your creativity. Um, so I started out, uh, doing acting. That's how I got into this whole game. Um, doing commercials and I did a soap in, um, New York. And then I moved into writing when I went to Los Angeles and I was mentored by a screenwriter who wrote the breakup and that helped to sort of get me into the writing zone. And then I worked a lot with upright citizens brigade, which helped with comedy that led to, um, my writing, uh, a half hour comedy for FX developing that, um, that didn't go to series like many don't. And so I came to Atlanta got into commercial casting directing, um, which led to directing. Like a lot of female directors that came into the room, I say a lot, like two, um, they were like, you write and you know how to direct talent, you should direct, direct. So I got into commercial directing and then I directed my first short film this past year called Lamb that's on the festival circuit. Well, that is all awesome stuff. And what we're gonna talk about today is the world of creativity in several different levels. And you and I jumped on a call last week for the first time, like we just met and we vibed immediately because of our mutual backgrounds in improv and comedy writing. And that's what I wanted to start with is the power of it. And the reason that I went to Second City and learned improv in comedy writing is because I wanted to differentiate myself. When I started making sports six and a half years ago, it was a sports blog. I looked at the industry and I was like, listen, everything out there is so homogenous. It's copy paste, insert what everybody else is doing. Aggregation was everywhere. And I was like, I know that I can do this better. And I was like, well, what is there that no one else is really doing very much in the industry specific to sports and or marketing? And I was like, improv and comedy. And I knew that I wasn't going there to become a comedian or become part of a troupe or anything like that. Instead, I wanted the mindset and skill set of somebody who knows comedy and improv so that I could apply it to everything that I created. So I want to hear from you. You mentioned to me that improv and comedy really helps bridge the gap sometimes. Yeah, I think, well, one, I was told this when I was in LA and I was on manager meetings as an actor and I went into the meeting and he's like, you're an improv actor, aren't you? And I was like, how do you know? He's like, well, you keep this conversation going, which, you know, being able to yes and conversations is huge. Um, just being to be, you know, just being a human, it helps. Um, but I think it bridges the gap too, like, you know, the last film I did, Lamb, was about the female assistants that led the victims up to Weinstein's hotel room. It's very intense. It's topical. But going to the film festivals with it and seeing all these other films that are coming out right now, there's my heart breaks. And I'm, we're sort of in a place now, I think, where comedy is speaking to people because there's a levity that's needed. And comedy helps you broach subjects that are really hard to broach because they allow it they allow you to do it with lightness so it's not pointing a finger it's um it's sort of it's inclusive 
and it makes you feel like part of something, part and, of a bigger whole. And, and that is exactly what marketing right now has become, that people want more than just to be sold. They want to become part of something. So that is why it is so important to be creative with your marketing, irregardless of what you're doing. It can be something super heavy, or you could be selling data or tennis shoes or who knows what. And by bringing a perspective that is a relatable and fun and engaging and entertaining one it stands out two it really helps build a tribe because not everyone does that so it's more inclusive for everyone yeah i agree i and and i think too we talked about this earlier um voice is so important and i think in comedy you and everything and drama as well. You can have a specific voice, but I think the people who do comedy well and can really mine truth through comedy, they just nail it. I mean, Jordan Peele is one of them. I think he's brilliant in the way that he looks at comedy, um, Key and Peele. And um, there's just a way to be truthful with it. And I, and, and like you said about authenticity, that's what we're all trying to get to in marketing. We're trying to get to the truth. And I think being able to maybe use even comedic strategy to get there, like what you used when you were going to Second City, would be really helpful for people to get outside of their heads and stop thinking so seriously about what marketing is. Does that make sense? 100%. And one thing that I learned when I was at Second City is I was taking writing for the Onion classes. So if anyone's familiar, the Onion is what I believe the greatest satire website out there. And it is formulaic humor. They, they use a the thing, there's 11 funny filters that you can pass a joke through. And what it really says is, here are the different ways that you can tell the same joke. So you could use an analogy, you could use hyperbole, you could use shock. Um, and there's all these different things. And I wish that more of marketing thought about the formula of, all right, how could we potentially use comedy in what we're doing? And is this even uh, an initiative for how we're thinking? So we always hear about the vehicles and the distribution. So it's, all right, are we going to be on Facebook, Instagram? Are we doing video or written or whatever? But rarely am I seeing these brands coming with an initiative saying, hey, we're looking for someone to uh, add some levity or write some comedy in our storytelling for what we're doing. And I believe that if more brands did this, they would see an overwhelming positive response in what they're doing. Yeah. How are you seeing people use comedy well? Like in what marketing are you seeing that now? What brand is doing that well? So the brands who are doing it well, I would call non-traditional brands. Uh, one of my favorites, I actually uh, had uh, their founder on our podcast is Dude Wipes. And what Dude Wipes is, they were on Shark Tank and they create essentially disposable wipes and a variety of other male grooming products. And with a name like Dude Wipes, they don't take themselves too seriously. Their uh, marketing is very pun, punny. It's very different. It's very in your face. Uh, there is a good element of shock and awe because they are dealing with stuff with the bathroom. And I absolutely love it. And I see brands like Chubby's who make the short shorts. And it's very much these non-traditional, I'm not going to say millennial focused brands, but they almost come across that way of saying, listen, we don't have a 55-year-old CMO who's running this company. 
we have a bunch of hardworking, talented startup entrepreneurs who have lived and breathed this brand and they very much adopt the same ethos that I do when I build bacon sports. It's like, if you're going to throw a party, what would you want to do? And I'm like, I'm going to throw the greatest party ever. Well, congratulations. Welcome to the new way of doing marketing that these other brands are disrupting the industries by not doing what everybody else has. And and for so long on this podcast, we've talked about the legacy brands who say we're too big to fail. Like there's a company like Sports Authority who didn't invest in digital. And they're like, we're too big to fail until all of a sudden they say, oh my God, we're going to go out of business now. And what it misses is- I was the, the, I was the voice of Sports Authority when they went out of business. Are, you, are you serious? Yeah. Well, I was right there. So I think that's a, that's a great example of it. It's the, the relatability of everything in the way that, and you and I mentioned this, it's humor is all funny is always funny, no matter what mood you're in. So when you see something, so when you see marketing like that, what does it do? It stands out and welcome to marketing 101. First it stands yeah. out, then it connects because you laugh and then it's shareable and you're like, boom. But I have to say though, like, yes, like Snickers does it really well. Like they're broad comedies and that that's like, if you want to go to like Wedding Crashers, that's going to be a broad comedy. You're going to enjoy it. Like anything with Will Ferrell, but there's also the truth, you know, and like Procter and Gamble is doing a really good job right now of like hitting on very topical, topical issues, but coming from a place of heart. So like, I think going back to the idea of comedy, but comedy is also to mind truth or like, what is your voice in comedy? So like what you're speaking to is broad comedy. And I think you can mind truth in broad comedy. Absolutely. And that's what we find so funny. But there's also something where if you can make them laugh and you can make them cry in a one minute spot or in a 30 second spot, you've nailed the audience. And I just saw a film called The Farewell with um, Aquafina in it. And she, Aquafina is usually this rap girl. She like plays really, she's really broad. And she did this dramatic piece, but the last beat, and I won't give it away, but the last three frames of the film, you, she makes you cry and she makes you laugh. And it's literally a second or two seconds. And we're done, you know? And she doesn't even, it's like one other frame at the very end that makes you laugh. And you're like, oh my God. So I feel like if we could do that in our work, which is tapping into authenticity and truth, if we could try to do that through our marketing, make people feel something, then that's where where we've won. It's feeling, you know? It's feeling and it's trust. And it brings a smile to my face just hearing you give that example, because I know how difficult it is, but I also know what it's like to write a joke or a piece of comedy that hits when you get that reaction and it makes you feel all warm inside because you've transferred this emotion and feeling to someone else that made their day better. And I absolutely love it. Yes, I agree. And I think, you know, I I don't know, you write mostly broad comedy, don't you? That's sort of the world that you lived in. Yes, very much so. So do you now with writing, would you want to go, what would you want to write? Like if you could write a screenplay, what would it be? Would it be more the Will Ferrell? Would you want to tap more into the quirky BBC or like, yeah, where would you live as the voice? So for my voice, I've always done a good job of uh, brands work with me because I am the demographic that they're looking to market to. So who better to write 
than the person that you're trying to market to. So I, once again, I say to myself, it's like, all right, Rob, if you were creating this show, what would you want to see? And I'm like, oh, I'd want X, Y, and Z. So for me, it would be a lot more on the Will Ferrell, broier sports. Like I'm a guy's guy. I run a company called Bacon Sports. I love, I love bacon sports and beer, and I can speak to that demographic. But at the same time, I think that my skill set and knowledge is uh, – well-versed enough that I won't have to be just a one-note comedian because mm-hmm. I know that there are different ways to tell a joke. So I would like to think I'm going to do a great job of nailing the, the bro humor, but at the same time, I could probably show some flashes of brilliance, maybe not to the Jordan Peele level quite yet because what they're doing is incredible, the, the breadth of what they can do. But I know my demographic. It is guys who love sports. Yeah, like you're the guy who watched the baseball game or the basketball game last night, right? Like with the who's winning, like you're that type of guy. Like you watch that game, you have a Gillette razor, you, like I'm trying to sort of put you into a box so I can understand how you, what your voice is. One, 100% you can put me into that box because my, my box is, I, I'm sports, I'm the, I'm the 18 to 45 year old demographic that people are looking to. Uh, I'm digitally active on social. I love to create no matter what sport you watch, I can talk about it on any team. That's actually how I was successful at sales early on in my career is I used my sports knowledge, no matter who I was calling, you could be from Utah and I'd start talking about the jazz with someone to start building that rapport there. And I think probably one of my greatest assets is my relatability of being able to transfer comedy plus relatable because a lot of times I'm just going to look at my own experiences and then shape that into the world that I'm building. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think relatability living in your box, like living in your dude world, it's interesting because I think men too are owning more of the all sides of themselves. So like there is this dudeism that was like really hot a couple of years ago with like with the Vince Vaughn vehicles with all that. But now dudes are becoming a little more well-rounded and you guys are seeing more of like who you are as people and not just dudes. Does that make sense? So like, I feel like tapping into that too when, is the emotional side of who you are also makes things relatable well great because here's what we're going to talk about next is you mentioned to me that you have a one-hour routine that you do every single day and i have about an hour and a half or two hour routine that i do every single morning right when i wake up so i realized in order for me to be successful i needed to reverse engineer the most successful people in the world the habits and routines of the creatives, the CEOs, those out there, because loving sports or loving writing isn't enough. There's so much more that goes into this game. And I think the overwhelming majority of it is actually mental. And that's, that's one of the things that I believe separates me from almost anybody else out there is, sure, I'm confident in my ability to write and create, but from a thinking standpoint, uh, I am so... I'm well-rounded in a different way, meditation and journaling and gratitude. That's what I mean about emotional. I didn't use the right terminology. I think being able to, to 
own the parts of yourself that are, that are a little outside of the dude box that you put yourself in. Of course. Um, that I think makes a very well-rounded creative. And we talked about Stephen Pressfield and how, you know, someone like that does a little ritual before he starts to write, which I believe you write in the mornings. Is that correct? Correct. I do morning pages every yes. morning uh, because of Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. Yeah. I mean, I do too. Because it gets all this, you know, shit out so that you can really focus on the story that you have at hand. Or if I'm directing, I can look at the edit. It's just, it gives me clarity. So can you expand on that for a second? For, for people who don't know about morning pages or journaling, um, what exactly is it for, so for example, the way that I see it is I'm taking whatever's in my head and putting on a piece of paper so that it is no longer in my head. I have zero goal or agenda for what I am doing. I write until I don't want to write anymore. How do you see it or how do you adopt morning pages? I, okay, I think all of us are triggered during our lives during the week by something or someone and we wake up thinking about that thing. So when I wake up thinking about something, which usually happens every morning out of fear or frustration or whatever, um, I will go, I will wake up, I'll make myself a cup of coffee, I'll go to the couch and I'll start writing about it. I'll just start writing about that thing and then it turns into sort of, I mean, this sounds very woo-woo, but it sort of becomes a conversation with God where I start to like ask questions and get answers and it becomes sort of a, a, a mystical experience because you get out of your own way and I'm able to get the trigger out. I'm able to sort of have some guidance in whatever form spirit you want to call it. And then I'm able to come down to the page and really be able to put the, you know, when I'm writing a script, which I usually am or looking at an edit or looking at copy, I'm able to, to look at it with clarity, um, which I think is what we all want in the morning and be able to go about the day with less fear and more um, acceptance to sort of like float through it, you know? And I think less noise in your head and oh, less yeah. judgment. And one thing that I believe is one of the biggest benefits of morning pages for me that even though I'm an extremely positive person, I'm also emotional and I have good days and bad days or good thoughts and bad thoughts. And when I know that I have something negative in my head, one, I acknowledge it. And then two, I release it. So I will literally write down, I was like, I'm acknowledging that I'm feeling negative about my output on my podcasts right now. And I'm not going to let this sit with me. So I'm, I am releasing this and I'm going to have a great day today. And I accept that for what it is. And you mentioned the whole woo-woo feeling. And I think I'm a great testament or example to this. So once again, here comes six and a half years ago, fraternity bro guy who wants to start doing this. And meditation starts coming up over and over and over again on the most successful CEOs. And my mindset at the time of meditation was like, I'm not this Eastern or Western philosophy, Zen Buddhist guy. Like my perception of what meditation was as someone who has never been exposed to it was very much crystals, earthy granola thing until it was broken down to me in a very simple and relatable way. 
and all the misconceptions, the thoughts that I had about what meditation is and getting centered in being one with yourself and the whole woo-ness that the majority of people think is out there from a spiritual and mystical standpoint that it was broken down and it's now something that is integral to my life because it's almost like a cousin of morning pages where you're getting out of your own way because I meditate every morning for seven minutes and I do this because one, I set my intentions for the day. I go through a routine in my head of visualizing, things like that. And then guess what else I do? What? Nothing. Nothing. There's no input in my head. And that's actually the beauty of meditation where you sit there still and you just let it be quiet. Because mm-hmm. and, and, guess how often in our lives we're not quiet our, the rest of our life. So you say, yeah. all right, you bring this element of stillness to you. So if you start thinking about stacking habits, so I go from right from doing my morning pages to writing gratitude to doing meditation. Boom, boom, boom. So now all of a sudden I've got this lightness to my mind and my heart is open and I'm clear and this is the other side of the bro the one who has to be clear to get the to get the work done at the level that i need to yeah that makes sense it totally makes sense and dr joe dispenza is someone who's looking at the science behind this dr joe dispenza is his name he looks at quantum physics epigenetics like it's all science based like the people are like it's woo woo it's broken down you know connecting to this quantum physical realm um, and I like to, I like the science of things more than I say woo woo so that people don't dismiss me, but the science behind it, it it's, it's truth. I mean, and it comes back to what we talked about before with branding and marketing. It comes back to truth. What is truth? What is knowing? And being able to tap into that with, with your work is what resonates for people. And I think one of the biggest pieces of takeaway and action that someone who's listening right now can take is if you associate everything that what we just said about with woo woo, you need to check yourself because you mentioned the, the truth. It is a perception that you've created in your own mind of what it is without experiencing it or being involved. So if you've never considered meditation or you think negatively of it, what I would say is get a a free trial to headspace for whatever it is, seven days, 14 days, 30 days and say, all right, Rob and Caroline, I'm going to commit for seven days. I'm going to try seven minutes of meditation just to experience what it is. Because I think so many times in life, there is this hater culture that is prevalent across not only social media, but in everyday life and what everybody is doing where they hate on things that they've never even experienced before. It's very easy to take something that is unfamiliar and be like, that's not for me until you try it. And I'm a, I'm a great testament to this because I was not, I'm not a woo woo person, but guess what? I'm probably one of the most centered people in the world now because I had someone help. I actually did a podcast on this. It was called, it was like the, the non-earthy way to do meditation. Like I wanted to make it as so normal as you and I talking because if I really just said, hey, Caroline, I want you for seven minutes to do nothing. 
just try that out. Is that cool? You'd be like, all right. I mean, that's not woo woo meditation. That's just do nothing for seven minutes. Somehow the connotation of meditation and these preconceived notions, I think that everyone needs to break through barriers. And if they've got these preconceived notions, really look at yourself and say, why do I have this? And what's stopping me from exploring other things that are out there? Right. And to your point too, about studying the most successful people, they, most of them all meditate. You know, they all do that work because they want clarity. It's clarity and, and um, perspective. Another really good app is Insight Timer, and that's free. And then Happy Not Perfect. That's another really good one for, for meditation and obviously headspace. Cool. Um, and I know there's also another one out there called Primed Mind. Nice. That is good. So, Caroline, I had so much fun talking with you we're two peas in the same pod i know where can everybody connect with you oh my gosh um on my instagram feed so c slaughters um i don't do any other social media i mean i'm on facebook but not really uh and then my website carolineslaughter.com if you want that writer's write-up that i send to people just shoot me a line there and i'll send it on to you um and i think that's it Wonderful. And as always, I would love to hear from you about this episode. Did this cause you to think or take action? You can hit me up on Instagram at Rob underscore Cressy, on Twitter at Rob Cressy, or on LinkedIn. Cressy. That's it, that's all,